The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. We all know we can't simply put more animals onto land to grow the economy. The country needs clever ways to maximise the returns from dairy and other animal farming practices. One person who knows this better than most and is doing a lot more to help is today's guest, Kate Gwilliam. Kate moved from a job as project manager in Auckland to the Manawatu, making a big life change taking on a 450-strong cattle herd. Together with her husband Tom, neither with a background in farming, they made their farm a tech-first endeavour, including full automation in the calf shed, farm sensors and computer-based reporting systems. And with this experience, Kate got involved with an automated feedstock solution, Zeddy, that uses RFID to deliver just the right amount of feed to every animal on the farm. It's award-winning tech, and with her as CEO, they have a model ready to sell to the world that they'll be sharing at field days happening the week this episode comes out. To talk the journey, what life is like on the farm, and using tech to make things better, Kate joins us now. Kia ora, good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, so... Tell me first, this idea of like moving from Auckland and uh, essentially kind of an office job to the Manawatu and a 450 strong dairy farm, how does that happen? Um, I think, uh, now I think about it, it's, it was very crazy at the time. <laughs> um, but my husband and I, um, he's, he's actually a born and bred Aucklander and I'd lived in Auckland for 10 years. Um, we met in Auckland and one day he just came to me and he said, I'm ready to move from Auckland. I've lived here my whole life. So um, it took me a while to get used to that idea because I <laughs> loved Auckland. Um, and as we were, you know, talking about where we, where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do, and he's a really outdoors, physical kind of guy, and he said I'd love to love to farm animals. Um, and that was kind of, well, where do you even start when you have never... Um, farmed an animal before <laughs> so he got I sent him down to a, a family friend's farm for a little while he went down there for a month to try it out um, and he came back and he said I love it I want to move I want to do this um, so we packed up our life we sold our house we le- I left my job um, and he sold his building business and and we went on our way down to the Manawatu and when we looked at where we wanted to go we wanted to go somewhere where um, 
farming was kind of the core of the, the community. Um, and I'm originally from the Minoato. My fa- my parents are, live down there. Um, so that kind of felt like a natural progression. And as we, you know, thought about maybe having children in the future, it would be nice to be around some grandparents one day. So the Minoato was where we ended up. And we got down there and he worked for um, on the farm for a year. And then we set about trying to buy a farm with my parents. Um, and that was interesting we had a lot of kind of you know um yeah false starts and um and then we finally ended up purchasing a farm so a year later we owned a farm a dairy farm and we left the big city of Auckland for the bright lights of (laughs) rural New Zealand really so Mm. had you given yourself a trial period to go I mean what what are the biggest um, changes? Uh, and I guess also, like, you know, w- with the, the dairy industry being such a big kind of force in the imagination of the country and in the economy, like, you must have had quite a few kind of preconceptions about what farming would be like and, and the like. Like, what, what, what was it like making that transition? Um, I was reasonably lucky. Like, I knew what we were getting into because I'd, I'd grown up with a lot of friends that were farmers, came from far- farming families. But we definitely had some preconceptions, and I think we didn't realise how much hard work it would be. Um, I think we thought it would be a lot easier than it has been. <laughs> um, it's it's very much hard graft, um, and, and my husband's a royal trooper. He works so hard. Um, and But I think the biggest challenge for us was leaving behind our life in Auckland, our friends, our social life, our nice cafes... <laughs> those things and then ending up in in rural New Zealand but but that's been part of the really great things and now that we've got a young family um, I wouldn't have it any other way that our children get to grow up on a farm and they have pet animals and um, they're seeing how you know animals are reared and and how yeah nature works really firsthand and yeah it's a really cool experience for them. And one of the ways that you have run the farm has been to be super tech first. Now, is that a rare thing or is that actually just kind of the common situation on dairy farms these days? Um, I think we're more aggressive than the general farmer with it. Um, When I look at dairy farming in New Zealand, I think we've got a bit of a slower uptake than maybe other countries with technology, um, especially if you compare automation to the UK or Europe, um, New Zealand is definitely a little bit slower that with the uptake of automation. But um, how we really approached it is we really started with kind of one thing that we wanted to improve. So we saw that we had some inefficiencies. Um, we saw that we were rearing all these animals for four days, all these calves, and then they were going off to... Um, the works and I wanted to change that process I didn't think that was a great way to be sustainable in our farming practice I also saw these animals as an asset so we looked at rearing all of our cast but that was very laborious Um, so we thought how can we bring in technology to help us do this job so now we rear all our animals from our home farm and we also operate um another farm that's not too far from us and that farm has 400 cows so we're rearing about 800 calves um, all automated um, on our farm and that means that we're far more profitable because we're doing that but also um, 
it's a better thing for the farming community. I think there's a lot of ways that farmers can add value to their farm by using technology. And and that's something we've really tried to focus on is just take one piece of technology at a time, get a handle on it, and then move to the next thing and see where we can make the next gains in our farming system. Um, I think technology can, can be quite a scary thing to take on as a farmer, um, and especially when you talk to um, people who have been farming a certain way their whole life it can be quite daunting and they don't know where to start and I always say is choose something that you're passionate about in your business and see how technology can can help you with that side of it and then once you're comfortable with that move on and so we're on I suppose a journey on our farm where we keep adding new technology and then some things don't work for us and that's the reality of it and then we'll move on to the next piece um, and we'll see how we can add value that way you know we've got um Sensors. We know exactly how much um, milk we've got in our vat at the temperature it came in. All of those kind of things. It's given us the freedom for Tom and I to move off the farm and go away for a weekend. And originally we didn't have, and we can see what the workers are doing. We have things to tell us how much fuel we've got in our fuel tank. We have our ZDs that feed our animals, so we know exactly how much feed they're getting. We've got our automatic calf room facilities. We've got... Um, irrigators and soil sensors to tell us when to turn our irrigators on and we've got all this technology that I suppose it helps us be more efficient and it also gives us the flexibility that we don't have to be there all the time and I think when we first started farming we did um, and that was probably the biggest thing for us was going from a job where we could you know go away for the weekend and go skiing to all of a sudden owning this dairy farm where we felt we were really restricted to the farm for for a period of time so yeah this technology has definitely given us flexibility and that's been really exciting (laughs) you you go from uh, owning a dairy farm to the dairy farm owning you back to (laughs) back to owning it yeah exactly and and in terms of that, that that story you tell about the feeding with the calves I mean that's one of the fascinating things about like the dairy industry isn't it that so many calves are reared just for the four or so days mm. and then sent to the works which seems to be I imagine like I imagine it will be quite a hard thing to do like I'd, I'd find it pretty hard emotionally I know I know that I'm not tough enough to be a farmer in about a hundred different ways but also yeah like like you say from an asset perspective that they they would grow up to be uh, you know, to be cattle, they would be mm. animals that could be uh, used for uh, for meat, for example, mm. and and yet they're sent away as cars. Why is that? Is it like a land use thing, or is it just uh, it's too um, hard to actually feed them all when they're that little? I think it's a bit of both. Um, all farms have their different, you know, situations. Um, a lot of people don't have the land for that, um, but also it is a very laborious process, and rearing calves is probably one of the most difficult things a farmer does um, and I think you have to have a lot of patience. Um, I did a couple of seasons of it, it's fair to say <laughs> I was not made to be a calf rearer. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's other ways we can look at things to add value to our farming systems and that's what we've really tried to do is say, hey, this is not necessarily the standard way to do it. So we rear those calves till they reach 100 kgs and then we'll sell them onto a beef breeder um, who will then take them through to um, their, their basically, you know, um, full weight where they'll then get turned into meat products. 
And so does automation allow that rearing to happen? Because at that time, the uh, cows won't be able to rear them because they're being used for milk. Yes, so we have um, automatic machines. So basically once a calf is four days old, it will go onto these machines. And it basically is just like a cow. Um, The calves can come up to it any time. They'll just suckle on the teat and they'll feed themselves. But the really great thing is it's almost better than rearing with a cow because we can see exactly what how much weight each animal is putting on. We can see exactly how when it's been feeding. So we're alerted to health issues before we'd ever see it if it was in the paddock with its mother um, and things like that. So um, we have less deaths than we would if we read them tra- traditionally. Um, and, yeah, we have healthier animals. And we're also getting them to that 100kg mark where we sell them a lot faster. So it's making us, you know, that time that we have to rear them, um, it means that we're hitting our profitability marks much faster. So. And with this background and seeing how automation can help uh, solve those problems, tell me about the journey with Zeddy, which is the um, the product that you're off to field days uh, with, which is this really cool um, automatic feeder uh, uh, that, that can be kind of anywhere on the farm. How did you get involved in that company? Yeah, so... Um my family, my parents are actually invested in quite a lot of agri-tech over, over the years. Um, and my first foray into kind of agri-tech was actually when I moved down to the Manawatu and I started working for my father in a startup that he had, and that was Levno. And at that time, it was very early on, and they do sensing sensors and um, monitors. And um, he... Um, was this was a startup at that stage, so that was really exciting for me. I got to see how technology could, you could develop technology, I suppose, and in, in that um, kind of. Sorry, I've totally screwed that. I've lost You're my. Good, we'll, we'll back, sorry, I've lost my train of thought completely. Yeah, which um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, you probably just want to pick up straight after. So, so um, yeah. So I said, uh, and then um, tell me how you got involved with Zeddy. Yeah. So I um, when I first moved down to the Minato, I actually started um, working with my father, who had his own agritech startup, um, and that was my first foray into technology. I suppose before that, I hadn't really spent a lot of time around software developers, around um, embedded engineers um so I learned a lot of I had a massive crash course really um and and then my parents had invested in a number of uh, agri-tech businesses and one of them was um ZD before it was ZD as we know it and they produced um and shared feeding systems and so my husband and I had used this product and I'd seen it and I thought there's really great parts of this here but we need to a get cost down and we need to add more functionality and we need to kind of take what it's what they've already developed but turn it into a product that has mass market appeal and so that's when I got involved with ZD and 
we kind of, I sat down, I remember sitting down with, with the R&D team and said, hey guys, you've done a great job, but what about this idea? You know, what about we take this into a field and we don't just feed calves, we feed cows and we can feed sheep and deer and goats. And everybody was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> so that was kind of the start of the journey with Zeddy. And that would have been early 2000, I mean, sorry, late 2016 that we started on the Zeddy um, journey. Uh, we kind of had this couple of months where we just massively brainstormed and researched and then we didn't mess around really. We just got straight into prototyping um, the product and I was talking the other day about this whole R&D process and what we did wrong at this, in the first uh, part was we would design this prototype and we'd get it working in the in the workshop and we'd go, this is awesome, it's doing what it's meant to do and our fake animals would come and wave their EID tags and it would dispense this feed. And then we'd take it out to the paddock and we'd go, why is it not working? <laughs> and we realised really early on that um, when you're dealing with animals, you have to be developing product in, in the paddock, basically. So... Um, our R&D team's pretty much spent two years in the paddock, you know, going back to the workshop for, you know, a couple of hours, tweaking something, going back to the paddock. And we did large-scale testing with ZD. Um, it's really interesting development from moving from just feeding calves with our original prototype machine to then feeding cows, um, and, and now we feed other animals as well. But um, when you look at animals, it's not just – so our – product is a piece of hardware but then obviously we also have the data side so the dashboard um, but you, when you throw animal behaviour in there it gets really interesting in the way that animals react and interact with each other um, react to noises react to things like that it, it's it's been a massive kind yeah. of learning curve really for, for our whole team so sketch a picture for us of what it actually um, looks like, yeah. like what, what would it look like in the middle of a field and how would animals interact with it so I think the first thing is it's uh, bright purple so you can't miss it <laughs> but it is a trailer um, and it's probably the size of um, it's a couple of meters long by a couple of meters high um, it has a 1.2 cubic meter capacity um, and there's four feeding bays on each side and what happens is the animal walks up it registers it reads its RFID tag and then it will dispense a predetermined amount of feed so the farmer would have gone onto their dashboard um, on their phone or their laptop or however they um, connect um, and said right I want all these animals to have 1 kg, I want this one to have 1.5 kgs and I want these ones to have 2.5 kgs. Technically they could have every animal in the herd receiving a different feed amount. Um, And what we're trying to do, I suppose, kind of the core motivating factor for us at ZD is we realised that supplementary feed was being wasted in our farming system. When I looked at Tom and I's budget, our feed costs were our second largest kind of cost on our whole um, cash flow. And the average dairy farm in New Zealand is spending um, around about $150,000 a year on supplementary feed. So supplementary feed is fed, for those that don't know, um, on top of the grass. So it's often includes lots of minerals and supplements that animals need on top of 
grass to make them produce um, and and also especially times around carving when they need more um, minerals for you know when they lose a lot for, through deficits um, so yeah the average farm spending $150,000 but we saw that there was probably about 40% wastage in the system um, and that was if they were feeding in shed and they had all this other kind of ways to feed but in a traditional trough based system it was even a lot higher so that was kind of what we wanted to do was feed the cows small amounts of feed multiple times a day so there was no waste in the system Um, making the customer more I suppose obviously profitable but also sustainable like that's a big thing like I think farmers get so much slack at the moment for um, you know the environmental impact of farming and anything we can do to kind of out, you know, fix that and help in any way um, is a positive thing for farming. And every farmer I know is doing their absolute best to minimise the impact of their farm on the environment. Um, and so this was kind of a big thing for me was to 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 reduce waste in the farming system. Mm. And the way it does that, so the the animal walks up to the trailer and then from its RFID tag on its ear, uh, it then communicates with the cloud, finds out the amount that it's meant to be fed, and then it just what releases a small amount into the tray and then that, that animal will finish it up and then leave and then the next animal comes and pokes its head in to see what's happening and then its ear um, tag sets off the system again. So, is that, so, so, so are they small enough that even if you're, I don't know, a... A weak, uh, a weak member of the herd. You're not going to get bullied out by a a bigger uh, unit or something. Yeah. So we've um, we started off by feeding only a small amount. So it's only around about a hundred grams that we feed at a time, and we do that to mitigate that bullying factor. And so what it means is, once an animal either reaches its full ration for the day, it will stop dispensing, or another animal's RFID is is in range, it will. Um, stop dispensing, it will recognise which animal consumed what of that feed in the bowl. So the more dominant animal is only going to receive a small amount. So when we looked at this, we knew that the bullying factor was going to be a problem and we'd seen solutions where we could have gated system. But we wanted the farmer to have flexibility to move this around. So we decided to deal with the bullying factor from a software perspective um, so what we do is we recognise these animals that have this more dominant nature and we start to basically, we basically punish them for stealing feed. So we drop their actual recipe down by the amount that they're feeding and because they're doing all this work to receive only a small amount of feed, they actually, after a period of time, stop that behaviour because it's just not worth the effort um, because all they're going to get is 50 to 100 grams of feed and they're also their main feed's getting punished. Um, but the least dominant an- animal will come back at a time when the feed is available. And what we see with a herd is the same as, for those that don't know, the same cows always are the, f- the first cow is always the same cow at the milk and shed and the last cow is always the same cow. Um, and that happens around the feeder they have a very much a picking order and they have you know the first feeder the first animal will be at the feeder then the second animal will come and they pretty much feed at the same time every day um 
in the same order. So the less dominant animals might have to wait to the end, but the whole thing about Zeddy is is always feed for them at the end, whereas previously it was a free-for-all and the more dominant animals were consuming you know, so much feed. On our farm, we found out that 15% of our animals were consuming 85% of our feed budget prior to having a ZD. So it's crazy. That's fascinating because, I mean, cows are very complex kind of animals and they have um, complex social groups and they even hold grudges, you know. They're quite remarkable. And to have that kind of um, involvement in, yes, seeing the psychology and, and the nature of how they all work together must be fascinating. That's so interesting that they, the the dominant um, cows end up learning to stop being bullies. Mm, yeah, and I think yeah, it's just evening out, making sure everybody gets that small amount of feed. Tell me about the things that you've had to learn along the way, like um, like the branding element, like the the, the bright purple uh, feeding troughs. I mean, that that must yeah. be a, a real standout point. And what what are the things that you've had to kind of Add and um, yeah, what well, what are the things that 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 you've enjoyed? Yeah, so from a branding perspective, straight off the bat, I knew we wanted to be different. We were a different product. We weren't the traditional hardware product, so we wanted to really create a statement. And we sat there and we thought we want to own a color, and we went through all the colors of you know the color you know wheel and. You know, that's another agri company. That's another agri company. And we kind of came to a few colours left. And I said to my team, who were all men at the time, um, okay, it's between pink or purple. And they <laughs> just rolled around <laughs> laughing. I was like, I'm 100% serious. Mm. Um, so I knew that I wanted to, Ziddy to have this kind of colour that it owned. And so we went with purple. And that's been the most successful thing I think we've done. Um, people either hate it or they love it and a lot of farmers come up and they go oh, God why did you choose purple and I said well you won't never forget us will you and they were like no we won't um, and our most Google uh, you know, search term is actually purple feeders so people don't even necessarily know our company name but they search purple feeders and it comes back to us so um, yeah, we, we wanted to own that and I think now we're starting to own you know everybody knows that purple feeders is ZD but um, it's been quite interesting because we're kind of a different business model as well. We're also a subscription-based business model. So so that's been an interesting thing to sell to farmers. A lot of what they were doing on the farm wasn't didn't fall into that category. So there is an education process there. But, um, yeah, that's been quite interesting. I think the other... And, and why is it subscription? Sorry, is that so you can do software updates yeah. and keep keep the access to the feed levels to farmers through their cell phones, through the cloud and the like? Yeah, so where we want to go as a business, we really see ourselves as a data data business, really, and, and I suppose the Zeddy is that tool for, for giving us that data. And we're the only company out there collecting data on supplementary feed. And if you look at all the other data that's been collected on the farm, there's kind of this data circle. And the farmer's going to need all this data to kind of make a better decision. So um, we've really kind of looked at the data and we've said that this is really incredibly important to us. And if we can provide this to the farmers, they're going to be able to start feeding the cows that are producing more um, more feed and feeding the cows less feed that aren't great producers and all of those kind of things. So we've really 
that's kind of been where we've sat with that is kind of around that um, we'll add a lot more value to that data as we as we grow over the next few years. Um, so that's why we've gone with that subscription model and 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 it, yeah, firmware updates, all of those kind of things that. When you've got a tech pro, uh, product, you've got to yeah. Got to keep keep, yeah, yeah, keep, yeah. keep people in it. And in terms of like the research and the development, which you talked about there, like tell me about your journeys with research and development and the Callahan. Yeah, so Callahan have been incredibly supportive of us. Um, they're such a great organisation. I can't give them enough, you know, enough positive plugs really <laughs> um, they originally we originally got involved with them around our IP so we went through a course with them where they looked at all of our IP and made sure we'd you know kind of had what we needed to have around that um, and then we've had growth grants which have been incredibly important to us financially Um but even things like I went on a tour with them earlier in the year with another hundred, there was a hundred of us that went over to a agri-tech conference in Australia and just that networking. So they're really great at putting us in touch with other people. Um, they'll meet, one of them will meet someone and they'll say, oh, you need to talk to Kate. There's there's different, you know, synergies there. Um, and just even helping us to promote our business. So at the field days, we're part of their tour where they take international delegates around, you know, they're taking around five automation companies and we're one of them and then five um, IoT companies and we're one of them. So so they've really helped us a lot in the R&D phase, but even in the commercialisation phase, they're, they're definitely supporting us. Um, yeah, it's been a cool journey with them. Along the way... Like you know, when you've made these big, big moves, like to leave Auckland and uh, and 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 head to to, to to the country and farm, and um, you, you know, when you decided on the farm to then jump into running a software business, and then you know, yeah. when you when you found yourself um, running a team of male R and D guys, and and uh, crazy. and change change their entire kind of way that they were doing things, and put them out in the field for two years, and told them it was going to be purple. Like, mm-hmm. has it been easy? Have people told you that you're nuts or you know, what, what's got you through it all? Um, I think I am nuts, but I think it's in my DNA. So <laughs> I think I didn't have a choice. Um, yeah. It's been, It's. I think one of my biggest things that I'd say to anybody that are, are looking at doing a business of any kind is like you have to have passion. You have to be incredibly passionate about it because there's such hard days and there's great days, but it is really a roller coaster. Um, and you have to bring that passion and you have to motive, motivate everybody when you're having a bad day or a bad week or something hasn't gone as well as you expected it to. And that's just the nature of business. You know, you, you have things don't pan out, always pan out the way you, and then you have to kind of re-look at everything and the amount of times that we've gone right this didn't work like let's go back to the drawing board whether it's R&D or you know just from a business perspective um, so you have to be agile I think that's really important is to kind of re-look at things and just say okay this is we're going to pivot again and it's going to be slightly down this way and this is our new direction and yeah you just have to have the passion to get up every day and be motivated to do it because it is 
it isn't always easy, but it's incredibly well rewarding. And I think that's the same with our move. It was like we were passionate to make a change. Um, same thing, it hasn't been easy, but um, yeah, it's been enjoyable. And tell me, you, you were mentioning that part of the future for Zeddy is to be a data business in the sense, but what about, um, you know, where, where will you be selling and, and how's the operations going now and is it going to be something all around the world, or what? What are the plans for Zeddy? Yeah, so I'm. I'm really hope that um, you'll be travelling around the world and you'll see purple things in the paddock all over the show. So um, we have plans to export. Um, at the moment, we just sell direct to New Zealand, um, and we've been. I suppose we went turned into a commercial commercial business this time last year at the field days, actually. So. Um, we want to ace our local market, but we definitely have plans for the European market um, and other parts of the world. I think there's a lot of um, crossovers and the size farms that they have and the amount of supplementary feed that some of those farms feed um, and also the appetite for automation um, really makes City a great potential for exporting. So, um, yeah, we, we see it as a... Um, a company that absolutely has exporting potential and um, we're really keen to see where that goes. And as a final kind of thought, as someone who isn't afraid to make the jump, like how do you define success? Like when when, uh, when will you be in the place where you wouldn't jump into a completely different field or or, or is that success? I I think success is um, those little moments in time actually, you know, it's just when everything works. And it might just be a, for a, sn- a sniff at. It might just be for, you know, a few hours. <laughs> then life comes, the reality comes crashing back. But um, it's just when everything kind of works out, I suppose. But it's those, yeah, it's those little things. It's when you get a, something to a point, like with the product, I look at it. When we got it, the, the biggest thing for us was getting it to a point where we could sell it and that was a major success for us and I think you have to you have so many milestones along any journey whether it's a personal or professional one and you just have to enjoy those little milestones for what they are before you know it's tomorrow and you're dealing with a whole other kind of <laughs> journey <laughs> yeah that's for me is just enjoying those little successes just those little pieces of yeah gold that's so awesome well thank you so much for um coming and sharing the journey i can't wait to see where you take it next yeah thank you thank you kate gulliam the ceo of zeddy who uh if you're around field days this week you can catch them there or check them out online uh thank you very much to tina tiller for producing thank you to callahan innovation for supporting the podcast now over 150 episodes in uh, and thank you very much for listening cheers Thank you. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. 
Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.